What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of College Football Showdown presented by Prime Sports World. I'm Israel Rugg, your usual host here for College Football Showdown, here with my main man, Christian Sisson, for the Daily Blitz Stop Blog, Monday evening quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. And before we start the show, please take a second to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on Twitch, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. And in case you missed the slide feed, we are available on all major streaming platforms where all podcasts can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, just to name a few. I dropped the link in the comment section for that. And if anyone else wants to join me and Christian here on College Football Southern and enter into the Terror Dome, baby, be more than, uh, feel free to go ahead and click on that link. And I'll let you in on the show uh, to talk about the Natty, the National Championship preview, because we are finally here, Mr. Christian Simpson. How you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing good, man. It's good to always be on on here, you know, to talk about this with you. This is the second national title game that you and I are getting a preview. And honestly, there's nobody else I want to break this game down with more than you, brother. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. And if you guys missed it last week, I mean, the New York Six was bananas, right, Christian? Absolutely, um, absolutely. The New York Six was bananas. We'll go ahead and uh, review those New York Six games on the quick side, and then we'll go ahead and preview our national championship preview here, which I uh, I know Christian got a little something-something up his sleeve. So uh, you guys don't want to miss that <laughs> coming up later on the show. And as we like to start the show, there are top – Headlines here. Something new that we've been doing here in the second half of the season of college football showdown. We've been previewing top headlines here. And here we go with our number one main headline. Jim Harbaugh has been under NCAA investigation for um, basically uh, for recruiting violations during the COVID-19 um, period where, you know, teams uh, couldn't really um, do anything. Pretty much, uh, you know, they couldn't, um, you know, they couldn't recruit. They couldn't do anything. Um, so basically, um, the athletic director, uh, Ward Samuel, issued a statement saying, yesterday we received draft allegations from the NCAA regarding our football program. We have cooperated and will continue to cooperate with this investigation. Out of respect to the NCAA's enforcement process, we will not offer any further comments. Um, according to a source, the NCAA's draft of notice of allegation includes a level of level one violation for Harbaugh not complying with or misleading NCAA investigators. Level one violations are the most serious and could lead to harsher penalties. Um, so how do you feel about this, uh, Christian? Um, they have said that Jim Harbaugh is here to stay amid those allegations. What do you have to say about that? I just hope he's not turning in to college football's version of John Calipari. This is the last thing Jim needs. Look, I I've always said he's been one of the best coaches in the country, and these last two years have shown it. Got that monkey off his back, beating Ohio State. But, look, it doesn't matter who you are. You can't make any type of violations at the end of the day, plain and simple. Rules are rules, and you have to abide by them. And these, these are the same allegations that Herm Edwards 
was if you guys don't remember before Herm Edwards got you know famously fired mid uh, you know after the game you know in uh, midfield basically by the AD and the president of uh, Arizona State. Um, Arizona State was under these type of um, uh, penalties or investigation for recruiting during the COVID nineteen period, in which from I believe from like twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. Um, like during that COVID period, they really couldn't do any visits. They couldn't bring any recruits in to kind of visit the campus or anything like that. Um, so Harbaugh under those harsh uh, you know, penalties and then alongside with the NFL news, I don't know, man, there should be some, uh, you know, some truth to all of this here. And, and like you said, I do hope that he, you know, isn't under that John Calipari. Yeah, um, definitely. Kind of since <laughs> there. Um, I, I would love to see, I would love to see this, uh, pan out, so we'll, we'll continue to fo- follow this uh, closely, but this is uh, pretty big for the University of Michigan. This could, um, you know, implicate, especially if Harbaugh leaves for the NFL. I mean, this could put a stain on his name uh, for that university and could hurt them in terms of, you know, moving in the next four or five years. You know, uh, they're building something special down there in Ann Arbor and uh, going to the college football playoff twice in a row in, their, in its history. Uh, it's a pretty big thing for recruits, and if uh, you know guys aren't um, if guys aren't going to be there, and and they're going to crack down on some of the you know on on them going to the CFP or any bowl bands, uh, could you know be detrimental uh, to the future of the program here, Christian. Absolutely. Um, I hope this gets dealt with very soon, and you know let Jim and them go to the drawing board. Now I know Jim is going to command a lot of attention from the NFL, and rightfully so, but I see him still on those sidelines at Ann Arbor next year. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. um, Definitely, I do agree with you on that. Um, Moving forward, moving forward to the next um, topic that we have, South Carolina Shane Beamer getting a $4 million raise um, here from South Carolina. He is. They he had a lot of firsts this year here at South Carolina Christian. I think he was the first coach to have uh, an eight win season uh, or so. I think he has back to back seven win seasons, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. And also, um, he, he, the first time I think in South Carolina's history, Shane Beamer uh, was able to bring them to to beat two top ten teams back to back. If you guys don't remember. Tennessee, he beat number six Tennessee at South Carolina where Spencer Rattler had a great game against them. And then the next week, they knock out top 10 uh, Clemson in a robbery game uh, the next season there. And then they lose in their bowl game real close. They, they were up 21-7, I, I believe, against Notre Dame uh, in their bowl game, which they lost. But they, he had a great three-game stretch uh, to win uh, down there. But second straight uh, winning season at South Carolina – uh, had a bunch of firsts. I think he, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was the lowest paid coach in the SEC, at, you know, before this. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. But, um, you know, South Carolina, they kind of took a step forward this year. Um, they, you mentioned those wins, the one against Tennessee and then going into Death Valley, which is a tough place for anybody to go and get a win, beating Clemson and pretty much, further eliminating them from making mm-hmm. the CFP. And then, yeah, I know they didn't win that game against Notre Dame, right? They did lose that one. No, they, they lost that game. They lost yeah, that game. But yeah, look, look, the future could be bright. 
if you were to fire Shane Beamer, here's the question. Who do you find that's better than him right now? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why they did this. And he and, and it's crazy because he, he won his last seven out of nine uh, to end the season. Um, here's some good stats about Shane Beamer here. Um, he is now the 11th coach out of 14 SEC coaches that now earn $6 million or more annually. Uh, so if you want to get paid, go make it to the SEC, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, um, he, they peaked at number 19 this year uh, at the college football playoff rankings. That's the highest ranking in program history um, for uh, the Gamecocks. And only the second time that they've won, um, won eight regular season games in the past nine years and beat three nationally ranked teams. So Shane Beamer has definitely been the right coach. But also, here we go. Beamer has also been great for attendance. They sold out six of their six of their Saturday home games and ranked 16th nationally in home attendance at 75,785 um, capacity. Uh, the home wow. finale against Tennessee, it drew 79,041 fans at William Bryce Stadium which has a 77,591 seating capacity, Christian. So he had a bunch of standing room only people hanging from the Raptors. <laughs> the Gator Bowl, let me tell you something, Christian. The Gator Bowl drew 67,283 fans, the largest Gator Bowl crowd in 11 years. And officials estimated that 40,000 of those fans were from South Carolina. Uh, that is, uh, and the Gator Bowl crowd was the largest of the 36 bowl games played to December 31st, which includes the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Person, that is some great. That is some crazy stuff. And then when you want to look at the recruiting class, Christian, they rank 16th nationally uh, in the early signing period. And the 2022 class in the late period was ranked 17. So he's been bringing in top 25 recruiting classes um, as well. And then, you know, also you got draft speculation with Spencer Rattler possibly leaving or staying. Or you got, you know, Antoine Juice Wells, uh, their uh, stud wide receiver, maybe returning. So a lot of good optimism there. Yeah, 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 it definitely is. And, you know, National Signing Day is that one day. But we really look forward to who teams are going to add, who coaches are going to go after, how are they going to recruit, how they'll do this, how do do how they're going to do that. Um, it's definitely a time for college football. Definitely, definitely. It is definitely a time for college football. Congrats to St. Beamer on getting that big raise. And like I said, if you want to be – if you want to get paid here – Go to the SEC. Go to the SEC. You make it to the SEC, you're going to get paid, son, especially if you have – some success. Our last top headline of the night um, uh, of this section, we have Sam Hartman, one of me and Christian's favorite, one of our favorite college uh, football quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Sam Hartman transferring to Notre Dame down there in South Bend, Indiana for the fi for his final college season. As you all know, Sam Hartman was probably one of the top um, transfer portal um, players next to like guys like Travis Hunter and other names, uh, other names as well. Uh, but Sam Hartman, uh, he finished second in ACC history with 12,967 career passing yards behind the one and only Philip Rivers from NC State. Uh, he joins a Notre Dame program that's projected to start next season, highly ranked 
Um, the Irish finished nine and four of the season, went six to the last final seven games. Uh, that included a bowl victory over South Carolina, which we just mentioned, in an upset of Clemson and a blowout of uh, Syracuse down the stretch there. Um, yeah, how do you feel about this with Sam Hartman um, going to Notre Dame? I know he threw for over 3,700 yards and 38 touchdowns, playing on 12 games after he missed uh, one game in Wake Forest uh, season opener with the uh, blood clot issues that he had. But uh, how do you feel about this with uh, Sam Hartman? Uh, I'm really excited for this. And look, I've never been that pumped up for a Notre Dame team coming into the year. Is the look, we've talked about this on the microphone and off the microphone. Everything's been there for, for Notre Dame. The strong running game, great tight end play, strong offensive line play, great defense. The one piece that's really kept them from advancing and, and really moving up the mountain and getting to the mountaintop. Was quarterback. I mean, look, I know they won a couple games with Ian Buck, but they were really inconsistent at quarterback this year. Everybody's calling for Marcus Freeman's head, and I'm just saying, look, let him get a quarterback, and everything is going to be good. And now you have one of the best. He's a guy that's really going to put this offense over the top. And I think the thing that stands out to me about Sam Hartman the most, it's just his ability to scan the whole field. If you're open, he's getting you the football. I think you and I both said it kind of has a little bit of that Drew Brees in him with the ability to spread the football around. It just has that arm, follows the throws, great vision, mobile when he has to. Now, this is a good time to be a Notre Dame football fan. I think this this move right here for them and him joining Notre Dame, this could make them a potential playoff team. This this makes them definitely a potential playoff team. This year so far, they have the 11th ranked recruiting class. Last year, they finished in the top 10 at number six because we all know Marcus Freeman, the reason why he got this job, not only is you know, he's good at X's and O's, Brian Kelly trusted him with the uh, you know success of the program, um, and Notre Dame trusts him, but he's also a great recruiter. He was a lead recruiter there at Notre Dame. Like I said, they're ranked 11th nationally so far this year. Uh, they have 24-star recruits so far at the University of Notre Dame. Last year, they were ranked uh, in the top six. So you start to see some of that talent kind of come to fruition. And then, like I, we always said, adding Sam Hartman to Notre Dame, I think they've always missed that that, that big-time quarterback. And I think Sam Hartman is – he is as big time as they come. I mean, he was the Heisman Trophy candidate for much of the last couple seasons. Um, and he just kind of, kind of quite had, didn't get there because, you know, let's, let's just face it, he played at Wake Forest, and he's elevated Wake Forest, right, to the top of the ACC, to top 25. He was, he was part of that, you know, he's one of the reasons why they're in the, they're in the top 25 the last 20, two years, right, Christian? Yeah. So yeah, bringing yeah, him he definitely is. He definitely is, Izzy. But you go to Notre Dame, man. This is this is where greats have come. I mean, look, yes. look at all the Hall of Famers that uh, have gone to to Notre Dame. Joe Montana, Tim Brown, Jerome Bettis, and the guy who just went in, Bryant Young. I mean, a lot of big names have gone to Notre Dame, and like this is this is a Huge move for them. I mean, I can't wait to see Notre Dame football next year. And as always, they always have those marquee games. Yeah, no, I mean, this is perfect because um, uh, Drew Pine, you know, transferred to Arizona State. So they kind of left it in flux. Uh, and, you know, Tyler Buckner is only a sophomore, but he's very, you know, he's under, um, 
he's his you know inconsistent you know you know as you know another you know another Dame quarterback. I know he did win that ball game against um, uh, South Carolina, but you know he definitely is inexperienced. I'll take Sam Hartman all day, baby. And Notre Dame, you know I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so I got to go my Fighting Irish here. I think they're gonna end up being in the top five, top ten again. And I think with Sam Hartman, this is big time for them. Like I said, man, adds the stability at the quarterback position. You get get one of the best quarterbacks in the nation to come to your program. I'll take Sam Hartman all day. I think he elevates Notre Dame. And yeah, watch out. They might be a playoff team next season, Christian. Um, I agree. I agree. Moving forward to the New Year Six, and what a hell of a New Year Six. I think this might have been, Christian, this might have been the best New Year Six ball games, college football playoff that we've ever experienced. I know there are a couple clunkers in there, um, you know, like the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl. It's kind of, you know, a couple clunkers. But other than that, the other four games were quite entertaining, um, to say the least. Um, other than, you know, in Alabama as well. Alabama ran away. Well, that, that started out close a little bit. Deuce Vaughn with that 88-yard touchdown scamper, and then Alabama just took control. But what do you, what do you think about this year's New York Six and the college football playoff? Um, I was thoroughly entertained. Or last year. Yeah, I, yeah. I was thoroughly entertained. The Orange Bowl, that lived up to the hype. You know, the Rose Bowl didn't go in the direction that I thought you and I that um that you and I thought it would go, but um the Sugar Bowl, like you said, started off quickly and the Alabama just asserted themselves and said, Look, you you know why we're here. <laughs> we're here to handle business. But, you know, I think the one that shocked me the most was the Cotton Bowl and Tulane. Really giving USC all they can handle, Izzy. Man, I, I, I am surprised at that Tulane. We'll start with the Orange Bowl here. Just kind of reviewing the Orange Bowl. Um, what, what what were your thoughts on this game? Tennessee winning 31-14. to 14. Uh, We saw a little bit of the future with, Clem, uh, with, um, with Clemson, with uh, Kay Klubnick, who's going to be their, you know, next – uh, great quarterback to come through Clemson. Uh, he threw a couple interceptions against Tennessee, um, but I think the future's bright here, right? Tennessee, you saw, you know, Joe Milton, uh, senior. I don't know if he's able to come back. I think he was a fifth-year senior, so I don't think he's able to come back. Obviously, with Hendon Hooker, um, you know, done for the year. Um, but, yeah, definitely Tennessee came out firing on all cylinders in this game. For sure. Yeah, yeah, they did. They didn't let their foot off the gas, and when you punch Clemson in the mouth or any football team in the mouth, um, lack thereof, it's tough for them to recover. And, you know, Tennessee, they wanted to go out and get this one for Hendon Hooker because they wouldn't be in this position without Hendon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and like I said, I think the future's bright for Clemson with uh, K. Klubnick and those guys. He was 30-54, 320 yards, two interceptions. Um, but going up against a really tough Tennessee defense, um, you know, Will Shipley ending his college career. I believe Will Shipley's a senior ending his uh, – he's a sophomore, sorry. He'll be back for Clemson, ran over for 1,100 yards. So I think the, the future's bright with Clemson. They'll be, you know, college football playoff contenders again uh, next season. But uh, Tennessee definitely, um, like I said, came out motivated uh, and, you know, definitely didn't let their foot off the gas from the get-go on uh, – Clemson. Uh, moving forward to the next game that we had, uh, the All-State Sugar Bowl. And like you said, man, Alabama just <laughs> displayed. Their, I think I texted you guys. It's like, this is why the Big 12 can't hang with the SEC. 
45 to 20, putting a stomping on Kansas State. This is a game in which Bryce Young, oh, if, if he didn't solidify the number one slot in the NFL draft with this performance in the Sugar Bowl, I don't know what else to tell you. Bryce Young was 15 to 21, 321 yards, and five passing touchdowns. He was on a tear. Um, Alabama uh, definitely gave Will Howard all that they can handle. He was 18 to 35, 210, two interceptions. This won the 80 yard plus scamper for the touchdown, uh, which kind of gave everybody some shots. Like, oh my God, Kansas State's, you know, going to go crazy here. Uh, but uh, they could not keep up with Alabama in this game. Um, thoughts, Christian? Here's what I'll say about Kansas State. Will Howard, I think, gives them a better shot at winning games than Adrian Martinez because Will can throw the ball down the field. Like He gives them more of a traditional-looking offense, whereas, you know, with Adrian, he's going to stay – he's going to run. And you mm-hmm. as a defense, you're going to sit on that line of scrimmage. You ain't going to dare him to throw the football. Um, it looked like it was going to be interesting, but – Bryce Young just showed why he's a far more superior quarterback. Mm-hmm. And best game that Alabama put together all year long. This th- definitely, Christian, this is, that was what I was going to get to. This is definitely the best game that the Alabama Crimson Tide. And they, you know what? Honestly, Christian, I'm going to say this. They, they, put a sta- they made a statement with this game, 45 mm-hmm. to 20. This is the team that beat TCU. Right to make it to the Big Twelve, and a lot of people were saying that Alabama should have got in over Ohio State and TCU, um, just because based on the talent uh, situation. You know, they, they a lot of people thought that Alabama had much better talent on both sides of the ball than both teams. Right, um, and so I think this is a game that Nick Saban, you know, uh, he even came out after and said, you know, I don't know why guys, um, you know, like to sit out in bowl games. Our guys didn't sit out in this bowl game. They didn't think it was meaningless. We came out here. Everybody that started all season started in this game. Even Will Holland played. Uh, uh, Will Anderson played in this game. You know, um, so they came out and they made a statement uh, in this game. Um, you know, you know, coming, you know, right, right from the get go. Um, so you know, I gotta, I gotta give it, I gotta give it to um, Alabama Crimson Tide coming out here and uh, putting the shellacking on Kansas State. Uh, in this football game. Um, moving forward to the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. This is the game that we, me and Christian were talking about, or that you were just talking about. Tulane coming back from, four, you know, what was it, 14 or 17 down to beat yeah, USC 46-45. Yeah. to 45. This, this I, when I thought everything couldn't get better, it just got even better with this game, Christian. It did, but Izzy, I've been talking about it all year long. USC's defense was going to get them in trouble, right? It got them yep. in trouble. It got them in trouble against Utah in the Pac-12 title game, and it got them in trouble on, on Monday against Tulane. Um, I didn't expect this. Look, Caleb Williams did what Caleb Williams was expected of him to do, but it was mm-hmm. that defense that just couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, Caleb Williams, you know, did all that he could do, 37-52. They even were up six points there, uh, 462 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and somehow, some way, Tulane was able to come back uh, and win this football game. Um, Mr. Tajay Spears, I think we talked about him a, 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 yeah. a few times yeah. this year, especially you, Christian. 
You previewed him. This guy's one of the best running backs in the nation. He had over 200 yards and four touchdowns in this game against USC. How much of a problem was he in this game for them? I mean, look, four touchdowns, 200 yards. <laughs> that right there should show you the problem he was. Runs inside, runs in between the tackles, gets those tough yards, and he wants the ball. Feed him the ball, move out the way, and let him handle the rest. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I mean, you know, they were up 15. USC was up 15 points with four minutes and 30 seconds left to go in this ball game. And they allowed Tulane to come back and win this ball game. Uh, just a remarkable feat uh, for Tulane. And Tulane had the biggest turnaround of any college football team in the nation. I think they won two games last year, and they only lost two games this year. They were ranked in the top 25, won the American, and won the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic over the University of Southern California Trojans. Let me ask you this question. Let me hear it. Does this put – does this – does this – um, does this game add another question mark to Lincoln Riley's career as not being the big game head coach? Yeah, it definitely does. Has he even won a college football playoff game? No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. <laughs> Look, I just think he's a great regular season coach, but when you need him to show out and show up when it matters most, he doesn't deliver. I mean, I thought his best shot at getting to a national championship was in 2017 when Baker Mayfield won Heisman and they were just out hustled by Georgia in, in crucial parts of the game. You know what you're going to get from him in a regular season. And I'll give him credit because he did make USC relevant once again. And this was his third Heisman trophy winner, which is pretty impressive. You don't really hear that much with a lot of coaches saying, you know, they coached one, but this is his third in about five or six years. I know Nick Saban's had a few under his belt with Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith, Bryce Young. But, um, yeah, this definitely taints Lincoln Riley's reputation. This is – Lincoln Riley right now in his bowl record is one in four. That's what his bowl – his career record, his winning possession, his winning percentage is 83%, 66, and 13. But in his in five bowl games, he is one in four. He's got a 20% winning percentage here. And the last bowl game he's won – the last bowl game he won, won, won was in the Cotton Bowl uh, when, uh, you know, two years ago when uh, he beat Florida 55-20. to 20. Before that, he lost in the Peach Bowl. I, I believe that 2019, that was the Jalen Hurts team. Where they got shellacked by uh, by LSU, everybody got shellacked by LSU. He lost the Orange Bowl and he lost the Rose Bowl his first year in Oklahoma, and then first year in USC loses the Cotton Bowl. So, um, yeah, one and four in those big bowl games. If you're gonna go to a big school, you gotta win those big bowl games, Christian. You already know how it is. That that can really taint your record. Lincoln Riley definitely has to win. Um, he definitely next year. I think the I don't think the seat's hot. Definitely USC. But I think for his career, I think he needs to make it to the college football playoff and win one and make it to the Natty because he's had nothing but talented teams over the last five, six years. Um, moving forward to the uh, Rose Bowl game, uh, we had number 11 Penn State. This is another Monday game. Uh, we had number 11 Penn State uh, beating Utah 35 to 21. Um, uh, here in the Rose Bowl. And this was a really, you know, shocking game to me uh, because 
you know, I, I thought that Utah was going to be able to withstand the physical triumphs of Penn State, but Penn State just came out and smacked them right in the face, right from the get go. Um, you know, you know, they they were physical in the trenches with them. They were physical in you know, in, 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 you know, at the line of scrimmage. They were, you know, on defense. They were real physical as well with Utah. Played their game. They used a lot of those tight ends. Sean Clifford had an excellent game, 16-21, 279 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. And I will one I want to say this that um Nicholas Singleton, uh, he is a freshman there at Penn State. I believe he's a true freshman. He is the next great Penn State running back. Um you know, eclipsing a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns on the season. Uh, in this game, he was a tear. He had 120 yards on seven rushing attempts and two touchdowns. He is their big play threat. And you know, look for Nicholas Singleton to move forward. But you know, like I said, man, those tight ends, um, you know, were you know going to be big for Penn State uh, in this uh, in this game uh, here. Um, you got Keandre Lambert Smith had a good game at wide receiver for them, 124 yards. Three receptions on the Utah side. Um, this is a game in which Cam Rising got knocked out early. Uh, I believe in the first half of this game, um, he didn't return. So Bryson Barnes came in, and that kind of um, you know hurt uh, Utah a little bit here uh, in this football game uh, as Penn State was just outmatched them with the physicality in the Big Ten. This is the second back-to-back um, uh, Rose Bowl loss for the University of Utah. So Kyle Whittingham. Just can't get over that hump in the Rose Bowl um, for uh, for the Utes, but uh, definitely this is a game that uh, you know Penn State controlled um, for a majority of this football game and uh, controlled it at the line of scrimmage. They in their physicality and um, you know you know brought some things to the table that Utah wasn't ready for. Uh, and Sean Clifford uh, definitely um, you know played a excellent game in this game. Um, you know to end his college football career um, as he's a, uh, as he bows out and he goes on to his next chapter, um, uh, you know, whether that's in the pros or uh, being a coach here. Uh, but Sean Clifford had a pretty good career there at Penn State and ends it with a Rose Bowl, um, uh, Rose Bowl win for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, moving forward to our college football playoffs. Uh, what a dandy. Both games were Quite amazing. Uh, starting with the Fiesta Bowl, um, TCU versus Michigan. I did not expect this to happen. I mean, Michigan, uh, I mean, they literally killed themselves, shot themselves in the foot um, time and time again against TCU. Uh, and it's kind of like a bad team to kind of play catch up with, right? Uh, TCU is a team that can continue to, um, you know, put points on the board. Um, you know, Max Degan, I mean, TCU was basically letting Michigan hang around. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, 343 yards, 20 and 34 passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Donovan Edwards, 119 yards, 23 carries. I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, they didn't get the touchdown. They didn't get the touchdown um, to end the half that, uh, you know, you know, was called back. It was called on the one-yard line because, um, you know, they didn't get in the end zone, you know, the rule where uh, even if you're not touched, as an offensive player, you're down in college football. They were down at the one, and then they lose the ball at the one-yard line. First drive of the game, Michigan has a turnover on downs. Then the, the second time they get in the red zone, they lose the ball at the one. Um, and then, you know, I, I think they 
couldn't get into the end zone three times in that first half um, as they were in the red zone against TCU. And they were just in the red zone, like, consistently all game long that they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and TCU, I would say the biggest play of the game was when Michigan got in the striking distance and Quentin Miller took that screen pass to the house. You know, it was a miss. There was a missed uh, tackle there. Or Quentin, not Quentin Miller, Quentin Johnson took that 76-yard. He took a screenplay, 76-yard. And it was a beautiful screenplay, too, as he came over kind of like, uh, I want to say like on a um, kind of like an orbit screen in a way, like he like had an orbit, uh, um, you know, kind of motion into the screenplay. And then he took it 76 yards to the house, uh, like on a swing pass. And, and and it was just all she wrote because Michigan brought the house. Yeah. Um, first, I got to give TCU a ton of credit, Izzy, because they were in control of this football game and they capitalized on every opportunity that presented themselves. But I knew momentum shifted in this game when Michigan tried to be cute on fourth and goal, going for that little reverse, just run the football. Or, better yet, take the points. You and I were talking about that, and we both just kind of looked at each other, and we were like, okay, what's really going on here? But I got to give TCU a lot of credit. They're balanced offensively. They did what they had to do defensively, but my biggest takeaway from TCU beating Michigan was they outperformed Michigan at their own game. They were more physical than them. At the point of attack, Michigan could never recover. And remember what I said to you last week. Michigan was going to slow this game down. However, Michigan, they can get into a shootout when it's necessary. But, yeah, TCU just controlled the tempo in their favor. They never looked back. And they were in the driver's seat pretty much throughout this game. I don't, and, and you know what's crazy is that I don't remember a team that ran for 263 yards on Michigan. Yeah, it's been a while. 263 yards. Like, that, that is uncharacteristic of this Michigan defense. I I, I believe Michigan's defense uh, doesn't even allow. They, they, they Like, that is just insane. I, you know, I don't even think they allow uh, 263 yards, you know, you know, average. They, they, like, that's way above the average. I'd have to look at what their, um, what their rushing average is, but – yeah, I, I just think that, like you said, every opportunity that TCU had, they took, and they took advantage of against the Michigan Wolverines. Um, now, we can say that that last play, though, to keep the game alive was targeted you know, on TCU. You look, it, it, yeah. look, I just want to explain what targeting is. It's when you go crown to crown and you're leading. Mm-hmm. Lead. And you're aiming with your helmet, right? Yes. Look, that was targeting. What Bullard did in the Georgia-Ohio State game, he led with his shoulder. And the, the college football has to get this right during the offseason because we have too many guys who are wearing suits who have never played a lick of football in their life trying to determine what's targeting and what's not. Because this is stopping yeah. the game and it's hurting mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Michigan should have had another opportunity to make another play downfield as that was targeting. It's been very inconsistent uh, this season. Um, it, you know, it almost – in Michigan, in going back to the rushing defense, they're, they're the top – they're number seven rushing defense. They only allowed 97.9 yards 
per game. They allowed 200 and what, what did I say, 265, 263 rushing yards mm-hmm. from TCU. That is like insane. So TCU definitely was able to, they, they brought the tenacity to Michigan. They brought that, 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 that fire to Michigan. Uh, it was very entertaining game back and forth. Um, but I think, you know, moving forward, um, looking at Michigan, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to look at this game and he's definitely going to say, man, if, if we could have, you know, if we could have, you know, played a little bit better in the red zone, if we would have took the points, if we could have executed better in the red zone, we didn't fumble here, fumble there. Um, that's football, right? It's a game of inches. And, uh, you know, the other team, you know, it's up to them to take advantage of your mistakes. And TCU did that at the right uh, time. But uh, congratulations, TCU, for getting into the college football playoff. First time in school history Absolutely. making it to the college football playoff. First time making it to the national title. And Sonny Dykes, what a hell of a turnaround that you did for this program after the dark cloud that Gary Patterson at TCU. Sonny Dykes is, has my vote for coach of the year. Yeah, he has mine. He the coach of the year. And he is, I, think he, I think he was the coach of the year. He did, Sonny win. He he did, did win the coach of the year. Yeah. yeah so, what a, what a so performance. What a performance yes. on the biggest stage. And we've been following this TCU team pretty closely this year, Izzy. And when you counted them out, they found ways to deliver. That's what the great teams do. That is definitely what the great teams do. And then moving forward to our last college football playoff game in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, another instant classic. If you didn't think that TCU Michigan wasn't an instant classic, well, <laughs> let me tell you something. Ohio State in Georgia was an instant classic. 41-42, Georgia comes out victorious. But this game went down to the wire, Christian. Oh, my Goodness, it's all I have to say. CJ Stroud was on fire in this game. Um, Georgia seemed like they just could not, um, they, you know, weren't able um, to, you know, you know, be able to stop that passing attack of Ohio State uh, in this football, in this football game. Um, I, you know, thought that, you know, Georgia, uh, you know, would, you know, be more physical with them in the trenches. But I did say that, you know, Ohio State has a top, you know, they have a top 10, um, you know, they um, pass, um, pass in pass protection. They are like top 10 in um, sacks allowed on the season. I think this is a game that I thought Georgia was going to give them fits with. CJ Stroud, 23 of 34, 348 yards, four touchdowns. Um, uh, Emeka Ubuka over 112 yards in the touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., before he got knocked out the game, was having himself a hell of a game with, you know, five catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. It seems like Georgia could not stop them, even when they had Keely Rigo on them. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., his route tree is phenomenal. Uh, Ohio State was able to pass the ball at will against Georgia. And then on the other side, Stetson Bennett had a pretty good game, 23-34, 398 yards, three touchdowns and interceptions. And when we say this, Stetson Bennett always, when his team needs him, he comes in, he delivers. He's the mailman. They call him the mailman now. Christian, what are your thoughts on this game? Man, what a game this was. I was so honored to preview it. I look at Ohio State. They came out firing on all cylinders, and that's the most I think I've ever seen C.J. Stroud move from a mobile standpoint because he likes to throw that ball from the pocket. Ohio State couldn't get that running game going, but that was expected because Georgia's so just so stout 
against that run. Um, but give Georgia a lot of credit because they turned on the championship pedigree when it was needed. And man, what a game. I could go back and rewatch that one all over again. Ohio State was in control, but Georgia never panicked. And it seems like I've been the president of the Setson Bennett fan club for the last year or so <laughs> because anytime you need this kid to deliver, he's done it. May not be mm-hmm. the flashiest guy, but whenever you need that big throw down the field, he does it. And he made countless big throws after countless big throws the other day against Ohio State. And he's one of the reasons why they're back in the national championship. Yeah, no, definitely. And in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, Ohio State was up 14 points, 38 to 24. Uh, just before that, uh, I, I think, was it in the early in the fourth quarter or just before the fourth quarter uh, is when Marvin Harrison Jr. went down? And uh, Ryan Day definitely did say at uh, the press conference that that was uh, that was big time for the for you know Georgia coming back in the fourth quarter. Um, as you know, now they can hone in on just the Mecca Ubuka instead of having you know having to deal with two of those guys, right? Um, and then obviously the Noah Ruggles 50 yard field goal, which wasn't even close to even you know you know hitting uh for Ohio State or giving them a chance there. Um, so you know, like Christian said, man, that championship pedigree stood out. Uh, here as they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to complete the comeback. Uh, 17, they outscored Ohio State 17 to three in the fourth quarter. There. Wow. wow. Yeah. No, and 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 I mean the the big the big play I think that's one that that made Georgia kind of feel like okay we got some here. That 76 yard pass from Stetson Bennett to Aaron Smith, which was basically a breakdown in coverage. Uh, there, that you know, pretty much swung momentum, in my opinion, to Georgia's way. I know Ohio State got a field goal out of it, but it was like once, once Georgia, if they were the last team to get the ball back, uh, get the ball, they were gonna win. They're one of the last teams to get the ball back, uh, and I thought Ohio State actually were was making that drive, Christian, but then they took that sack, which kind of put them back a, a couple more yards, right? Um, and, and made it a harder field goal for Noah Rubbles. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's a tough loss for Ohio State. But if I'm the Buckeyes, I wouldn't hang my head down because you went toe for toe with the defending national champions and a team that that's just been so much stronger than a lot of teams in, in the country. And they're gonna build off this. I will say this though, Izzy, I think that's a completely different game if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get knocked out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you and Ryan Day. I think that Marvin Harrison Jr. plays in that fourth quarter. I think we're talking about Ohio State and TCU instead of Georgia and TCU because there was nothing that Georgia could do to stop that offense, to stop that offense with Marvin Harrison on the field, whether Marvin Harrison was catching the football or Marvin Harrison was taking two or three defenders with him. Uh, it was opening everything else up for Ohio State, and that passing game just lacked um, something when he went out. So, um, But I got to give it to Georgia for coming back, like you said, championship pedigree. They are into the college football national championship for the second year in a row under Kirby Smart as them and TCU um, are slated to play on Monday night. And that takes me to the next segment. And this is the big juicy fat steak as we are ending this show, uh, starting to end this show. Um, Monday, we have a national championship 
um, showdown here between Georgia, number one Georgia, and number three TCU, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, showcasing the number one team, Georgia, eighth in total offense, 494.9 yards per game, and 11th in total defense at 304.6 yards per game, the SEC champs. And then we have the TCU Horn Frogs, 13th in total offense at 474 yards, uh, 0.1 yards, yards per game, and 80th in total defenses. They are a team that uh, likes to give up a lot of yards here at 395.3 yards per game. And they are the Big 12 runner-up, if everybody remembers, to Kansas State. Christian, how do you think this uh, ends up uh, going down? I already know what to expect here from Christian. Shameless plug, baby. The last <laughs> one of the year. The last one of the year. The last oh. one. Yeah, man. I'm really looking forward to this one. TCU. They're almost like a Cinderella story. I know I know. this is a term that we use loosely in college basketball, but look, TCU, they weren't expected to, to do much. You remember? Everybody had mm-hmm. Oklahoma over them, Baylor, Oklahoma State um, over them, and neither one of those teams really – exceeded to the expectations that a lot of people had for them. But TCU, man, it just kept winning. They just kept winning. And I got to give Max Duggan a lot of credit because anytime this kid's number has been called, he's answered the call. It's just amazing that he didn't even start out as the starting quarterback for for TCU this year. Remember, that was Chandler Morris. Chandler goes down. Max comes in. The rest is history. Um... I look at their offensive attack. They have they have a monster. It's led by Max Duggan, but I look at the weapons on the outside that that really complement this passing game. And it starts with Quentin Johnson, six foot five wide receiver. Reminds me so much of Brandon Marshall. Can go over in traffic. I, I look at that crossing route he ran against Michigan. That pretty much sealed the game. Oh, my goodness. No guy that tall and that big should be moving that quickly. And, <laughs> look, I'll say this. If Georgia had a problem with Ohio State, what makes you think TCU isn't going to give that secondary a problem? Then I look at Georgia. Like I said, that championship pedigree. That championship pedigree turned on when they know they needed it most. Um Stetson Bennett leading the troops. Brock Bowers getting it going. Mitchell, that wide receiver. But you know who I'm watching? I'm going to even give you my X factors for this game. My X factor for TCU. I'm watching Dylan Horton now. Six foot four, 275 defensive end with a background in playing safety. But when I look at Dylan, he was all over the field for for TCU. And he's going to have to have that same type of performance against Georgia on Monday night. Um, four sacks, four tackles for loss, and you got to get pressure on Stetson Bennett. And then when I look at when I look at Georgia, I'm watching Kenny McIntosh. He is Mr. Versatility for this Georgia offense. And what have I told you? NFL, college football. Every offense has that Swiss Army knife, and that's what he is to this offense. He's that guy that Stetson Bennett can check the ball down to gets the mismatch with a linebacker or a safety down the field, and he's almost like a, a safety valve for, for for Stetson Bennett. Cannot wait to reveal this preview. It comes right after Monday, even a quarterback, on Monday night.
Yeah, no, I <laughs> I definitely uh, you know agree with you. Uh, you know, I think I think if T well, I don't. I think that TCU does have weapons on the outside. I'll give you that. But are those? You know, I, I'm going to say Quinn Johnson. You know, is you know. He's the he's the big guy, right? He's the big guy. 163 yards, a touchdown against Michigan last week. Uh, you know, Tay Barber's another you know key threat. Michigan, you know, kept him only two you know two receptions uh, on the day in a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Hudson is another guy that you got to worry about for Georgia. But when I look at their passing attack, I'm not as scared as I am, you know, uh, as I was against T- as Ohio State, right? Because I'm going to tell you this right now: when it comes to sacks allowed. Uh, Georgia's ranked number four, right? And that guy that you were talking about, right? Um, uh, the defensive end who had four sacks against um, against uh, um, and that's Dylan Horton who had uh, against Michigan. I don't think he's doing that against Georgia's offensive line. And then when I look at TCU, TCU has the 47th ranked um, team in terms of sacks allowed. Um, so you know Georgia's definitely going to be after it. Um, when you look at a team that had 263 yards against Michigan, they're going against the number one, which I think is the number one ranked team because I think, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, James Madison technically has, you know, the number one rushing defense in the, in the nation at 79.5. Well, Georgia's right there, a .5 yard right behind them at 80. So I think running the football against Georgia's going to be hard. They're going to be physical in the trenches, physical from the outset against TCU. I don't think it's going to be close. I think that I think that uh, Max Duggan's going to have is going to be frustrated all night long. I think they're going against a, a Georgia team. They have a top ten offense um, in you know in the nation, uh, eighth in total offense. That's a big game quarterback. They already been here, done that. This defense is is, is seasoned to win another national championship. Um, I think Keely Ringo is going to be key uh, on Quentin Johnston when it comes to that matchup. Uh, so you guys want to watch out for that. But when I look at this game, I think Georgia's going to be too physical for them on the defensive side of the ball. TC hasn't seen a defense like this all season long. You could say they won against Michigan. Michigan had some uh, flaws. Um, they kind of beat themselves. This is a team in Georgia that will not beat themselves. I think we've only seen it a couple of times where Georgia – uh, you know, almost kind of, you know, had some uncharacteristic games. I could talk to, about the one against Missouri early on. I could talk about Ohio State in the last game. Um, but I think against TCU, I think they'll be too physical for the Horned Frogs. And I actually give a score. I know they're plus 12 and a half or they're, they're a 12 and a half point favor in this game. I'm actually going to go with Ohio, with Georgia beating TCU 45 to 10. Wow. Okay. Forty-five to ten. I think that Georgia's just gonna run all over TCU. Stetson Bennett's gonna have a field day against this team. I don't think TCU is gonna be as physical as Georgia. I think Georgia's gonna come out, you know, first, you know, three or four um, drives. They're gonna score touchdowns. Three, three out of four of those drives. They're gonna go up big, twenty-four nothing. And TCU's just gonna have a, a big time, a big time problem trying to come back and beat Georgia. And that's the physicality. On his defense, man, I can't wait. Um, it's all like I said; it's always a privilege to preview these national championships. Izzy, this is actually going to be my twelfth 
national title game that I'm covering. Um, I still remember the first one. I broke down Alabama, LSU, when LSU couldn't even cross the 50-yard line. <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah. so, what are you, so let me ask you a couple questions here before we wrap up the preview here. What are some things, what are, um, what are some keys for TCU um, in order for them to win this game against Georgia? They have to start quickly. They got to come in, punch Georgia in the mouth. But like you said, I think that lack of a pass rush for TCU is concerning because if you don't hit Stetson Bennett behind that line, he's just going to nickel and dime you and pick you apart mm-hmm. left and right. So it starts with getting the game in the tempo, in the favor, in the tempo of your favor, controlling the clock um, and, I think beating Georgia with a quick passing game. Look, LSU threw for over 500 yards on on Georgia. Um, Ohio State, they had a field day throwing the ball on, on Georgia. So what makes you think TCU can't do it either? But when I look at the Georgia side, I'm concerned about their pass rush as well because can they get home and take pressure off that secondary because that secondary has been burnt toast the last couple of games. Um, But I also think another major key for TCU, they have to, and I mean absolutely have to, you must contain Jalen Carter because if you don't, he will wreck your entire offensive game plan, Izzy. No, I I totally agree. And then what are some keys for Georgia in order to I think for Georgia, you got to get after Max Duggan for sure. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him run because that's when he seems to be at his best, running the ball and really extending plays with his feet too. I'm doubling Quentin Johnston. Easier said than done, but don't play him in single-man coverage. I'm keeping a safety high over the top, and I'm forcing him to earn everything underneath. I'm okay with Tay Barber and Darius Davis beating me in. George, and for TCU, man, that defense, like I said, they have to get after Stetson Bennett. They cannot allow him to just sit behind that line of scrimmage and throw the football. Like, you got to get him off his rhythm, and those are my keys for, for, um, for TCU. Yeah, and, and 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 funny that you say like both teams they they're both ranked seventy first, or tied seventy first with um, team sacks uh, on the year. Um, as Georgia and TCU both um, average 2. 2.14 uh, sacks uh, on the season, 30, 30 sacks uh, in total for both teams, which is not good. So neither team gets after the quarterback. But when you talk about this Georgia defense, they are killers in stopping the run physical in the trenches, especially in the interior defensive line, Jaron Carter and, and, and those boys. So um, should be a fun one, but I do believe that Georgia uh, is it's going to be a fun one for Georgia only because I do think that it's, it's going to be a route. I do think that, uh, you know, TCU is going to be able to handle that physicality for, um, for Georgia. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that has been a wrap. You guys go ahead and make sure you – uh, check out the um, – when are you going to drop that article, Christian? Monday. Monday about an hour before kickoff. I 5.30. Monday at 5.30. Make sure you guys check out that yep. article, uh, that national championship preview between uh, Georgia and TCU on the Daily blog where you can catch Christian. And make sure you catch Christian every Tuesday on a Monday evening quarterback. And he is a contributor here at Prime Sports World. Make sure you guys take a, uh, you know, chance – 
to please like and share and subscribe to face to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch as we go live on all three uh, channels. And if you missed us here on our live stream, make sure you check us out on our um, on Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, and Amazon Music, where all major podcasts can be heard. Time Sports World can be heard as well, ladies and gentlemen. And make sure you go ahead and join our. NBA Supreme and NFL Supreme Facebook groups as well. But Christian, we have come down to one of the last shows of the college football season. I know we got uh, a college football uh, review after the national championship game, so you guys probably don't want to miss that. But uh, uh, we'll come back with a uh, another uh, edition of College Football Showdown, so you guys don't want to miss out for that content as well. Uh, but it's been a pleasure this season, Christian. Man, uh, as always. Nah, nah, brother. Thank you for man. I, there's no other guy I'd rather be talking this game with other than you. You know, you made me better as a professional, and man, it's many more. This isn't this isn't the end. It's many more years of this to come. Prime Sports World, the network. You you guys bringing me on. It's the highlight of my season, and man, I just hope you know I, I've done it the right way and. Just, man, thank you to everybody who tunes in to the show, man. We truly appreciate that. I, sp- I say that on behalf of me and Mr. Israel Rivera. Um, be safe this weekend. First weekend of 2023. I hope the year, uh, the the start of the new year has been good to you and your family. Be safe this week. If you're going to be out, as Izzy says, and if you're drinking, call an Uber, call a Lyft. Be safe. Bet on the games, watch all the games. And most importantly, Izzy, I'd be crazy if I didn't end the show by this. Man, huge shout-out to DeMar Hamlin. Huge shout-out to DeMar Hamlin. This kid is really fighting, and, you know, he he has an entire nation behind him right now. Yeah, no, and and, and definitely I was going to, you know, say, you know, prayers out, college football showdown. Once again, our prayers out. I, I was on the Fantasy Football Weekly Show, um, you know, went solo on that one, and uh, – Gave out my severe uh, prayers out to Jamar Hamlin. You know, he showed significant improvement. He's a former uh, Pittsburgh Panther, uh, uh, you know, before he moved on to the Buffalo Bills in the National Football League. But uh, everybody wants to, at, at Cal Football Showdown, me, uh, Christian, and with Matt James on, we want to give our uh, sincere prayers out to him and uh, hope for a speedy recovery. But uh, definitely I have uh, liked the improvements and the updates that we've been hearing about uh, DeMar Hamlin. So speedy recovery and Godspeed uh, with you, DeMar. Uh, but anyways, that has been a, uh, a show. It's been a wrap. Um, you guys look forward um, to the weekend, and uh, we'll probably be back here on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, for our um, uh, NFL uh, preview uh, show, uh, review show um, coming up for week uh, 18. So you guys don't want to miss that uh, at all. I've been Israel Rivera. That's Christian Simpson, my main man. Uh, Matt James has been out, but uh, well, this has been a pleasure, Christian. And like I always say, if I don't miss you, man, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening, and good night here at Prime Sports World again for College Football Showdown. Everybody, take care and sayonara, suckers. Absolutely, man.